Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I agree, no right. I agree, no right. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen between them, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, that there won't be a cloud milk and cloud for at least a week. Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oshin McCampbell, by the former Galway footballer and its current coach, John Divoli, and by Tony Lean, the sports editor of the Irish Examiner. This week, Ireland's senior county football teams officially returned to the training field in preparation for the 2022 season. Pre-season competitions begin in three weeks. The National Football League begins in just over six weeks. And the championship is a mere four months away. We are here to discuss all of that, including the managerial changes of the last few months. But we are going to begin with club football, and we're going to go around the provinces. Tony, we're going to go to Munster first. The semi-finals, the weekend after next, St. Finbars against Aero Guinness and Austin Stacks against Newcastle West. Can you see surprises in either of those games, or will Finbars and Austin Stacks most likely proceed to a final? Not really, Paul, no. i, I got to be honest, but I, I would say that with a health warning that... And I'd be interested in, you know, what you're bringing in terms of from the other provinces. If I was a betting man right now, I would say that the All-Ireland Club champions in January won't be from Munster. Um, I've see, I have saw both the Cork now and the Kerry County finals and the Bars beat Clonakilty in Cork, Austin Stacks beat Cairns O'Rahillies. You know, good winners, um, but they're both Paul missing an X factor, you know, I mean, I know, look, Donaghy obviously is, you know, still so much revolves around Kieran Donaghy for stacks like, but I mean, he's nearly 39 years of age at the same time. Um, and the bars so much revolves around two players, Ian Maguire and Stephen Sherlock inside in the corner. Um, so in terms of what both will bring to the table, they're both very structurally good. Um, they make good decisions. They play a lot of what I would call mistake-free football. But I'm not certain either of them. I think they'll meet in a Munster final. Um, and I don't know actually what way the draw, I, I have to admit, I don't know what way the draw actually works after that. But I would be surprised. It's if, Leinster v Connacht and Munster v Ulster. Okay, well, Oshin will, will fill me in uh, on Ulster, but... If the Bars and Stacks were to play in a Munster club final, I couldn't call it, but either way, it would be a struggle for me to see either of them go all the way. That you know, And sometimes you've seen teams come out of Kerry, particularly, and you're saying to yourselves, they've got their eyes on the All-Ireland. I got the impression from both the Bars and Stacks that they were really, really delighted to win their county finals. 
and and I wouldn't you'd never say about a Kerry team that anything else is a bonus, but I would definitely say that the priority for both was winning the county and not the right. So you saw a lot of club football in both Kerry and Cork, yeah. Uh, this this year, what did you think of the standard? I think the standard in Kerry is 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 a level or two above Cork, and I say that obviously as someone who was involved in the Cork senior club. Um, very interesting, actually. Uh, you know, I, I was actually talking about this to some to Kevin O'Donovan, actually, it was the, the Cork CEO a couple of months ago. The night before, I had wandered over to Nemo Rangers, it's only, it's only a half a mile away from me, and because I heard they were playing a challenge game against Ken Mayer. And I wanted to go over and I wanted to have a look at Sean O'Shea more than anything, really. And the both sides were at pretty full strength. And, like, at that stage, Paul, like, Nemo, would, if they weren't the number one side in Cork, they're still the, they're, they're still the standard. In Cork, and I would say Ken Mayer realistically would be about maybe the sixth or seventh best team in Kerry. And I know you can't read too much. It was a Wednesday night. It was a challenge game, but they were both strong. Sean O'Shea was playing. Stephen O'Brien was playing. Nemo had most of their players. And I'm not joking you. If Ken Mayer had taken their goal chances, they could have run up a big score. And I do think that there is that gap at the moment. No, you know, are Stacks the best team in Kerry? They probably are at the moment because Croaks have dropped a bit. Um, and I do think that the Bars are the best team in Cork. But I just don't think, this, particularly in Cork, I don't think the standard is what you would call razor sharp. The gap between club players and county players in terms of conditioning and skill level across Kerry and Cork, has it closed? Is it, is it widening? How would you describe it? I think it's always going to stay wide. I mean, you know, I mean, going back to that challenge game now that I went to Sean O'Shea. No, I know Sean O'Shea is an exception because he's an exceptional footballer. But he, he was just, you know, at, at a level of fitness and conditioning and pace and movement. You know, he basically was doing as he wanted uh, on the night. And that's a fair statement to make, like, because, you know, Nemo were... I got to remember, like Nemo had won the 2020 county championship in Cork only in this autumn, you know. So it wasn't like that. It was a mile since they'd won that thing. Like so, they were still at a level. Um, I mean, John and Oshin will know this better than me. You know, irrespective of how good a level of conditioning and sharpness you get to as a club, given the advances in sports science and given you know the likes of the the best practitioners in that area are operating at intercounty level. I don't know what you think, lads. I still think you're talking 15, 20% behind an intercounty level of fitness and prep. Oshin? Uh, well, funny, I, I was at two games last week and I actually I was glad I got to that Leinster Championship game with uh, Port Arlington and St. Lomans. Um, but the first game was that was Kilku and Rammer United. And I thought Rammer were, were well off it. Uh, as far as Kilku go, I think... 99% of the players that's on the Cuckoo team could probably play for down. But when Tony's talking about uh, that level, it's a different level. Look, those Kerry boys who are trying to bridge the gap from club to, to county, that's a big that's a big uh, void to fill. I don't think it's as big when it comes to the legs of down. Uh, I think Cuckoo uh, are... <laughs> When I looked at Kaku the other night, I would say Kaku a while back and where they were three years ago, while back. Um, 
but still they are one of the standard bears in Ulster. And I suppose of all the teams that we've seen coming through, yes, Derry Gonley have been there five of the last six years. Um, but of all the teams that we've seen coming through, I mean, it doesn't say much, to be honest, about the standard um, in Ulster. I think the standard in Ulster is, is back a little bit as well. But I think there's an exception to that rule. And I think Glenn are the exception to that rule. I think they're way ahead of everything that I have seen so far this year. Um, I think they're all earning champions and waiting. Um, like when I went and watched Port Arlington and St. Lomans, it was played at a completely different pace. It was very, very, very open. Um, I was very impressed with Port Arlington. They, they, they went 1-6 to a point up. And then they just fell in a hole somewhere. And then, you know, they were able to just about get enough to get back into the game. Uh, Cuckoo, I'll tell you what one thing about Cuckoo is that they are um, they're so well coached, so well trained. Everybody knows what they're about. They can sit off you, they can press you, they can play it whatever way you want to. Uh, but I still think they're, they're a few shy of where Glenn are at at this moment in time. Uh, I think they've got. They have also uh, the benefit of the fact that they are fresh into this competition. Um, they have uh, had huge success, obviously at 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 underage within Ulster. Um, I think there's a lot of the players that are instantly recognisable. Derry are on the rise, and uh, and I think uh, this Glen team there's just something a little bit different about them, and I have been involved in seeing a lot of club football in the last 20 years and uh and they just give there's just a vibe off them that uh that everything is right and everything is going in the in the direction it needs to go in um i think physically they would probably overpower the likes of the likes of Kilku. um in the other side clan Aaron obviously are fresh um uh, into it as well haven't beat us in the county final which is still hurting um, but that was a shock, Oshin. What happened that day? It was a shock because I tell you why it was a shock. I, like if you had a scene crossing the first round of the county championship, you would have said, "There's no way this team's going to win a, a county title." Uh, and then, to be honest, they, they improved uh, every single game. They improved. Um, they missed a huge amount of chances early on that game against Clonmel, and we're still six six up going into the last uh, quarter of the game. Uh, I managed to somehow lose the game. So uh, as much as it was a shock, Clan Aaron would have no fear of playing against Cross. In fact, they'd have no fear against playing any uh, against any of these teams in Ulster because uh, at underage, you know, they've they've beaten all of these teams before uh, at different levels: 14s, 16s, 18s. Um, so there's a bit of pedigree there. There definitely is, but I still think of all the teams I've seen, Ulster, Leinster. I have to say, uh, Connor the monster. I think Glenn are a nice little bit ahead of everybody else. Right? Do you agree now. with that, John? Anything out of Connacht to stop Glenn? It's hard to know. I mean, the, the big game this weekend was finally taking place between Montpellier and um, Pierce's, and um, Montpellier were full value for their victory in Galway this year. You know, to a, it's only their fifth title ever. Their first one since '87, so it's it's great for Galway football that there's new champions, and uh, it gives hope to every other club that a team like Corrigan, who have been undoubtedly one of the best ever, up there with with 
the crosses and the Nemos and all these great teams before. Um, it just gives all these clubs and all these players something to really play for now that the, the championship can be won again. Um, will Montpellier, Pierce's, or um, not more challenge the Leinster champions? I don't see why not. Um, just going on the Knockmore, like Knockmore are in the final now. They're just sitting back until I think it's the 9th of January when the kind of final is on. So Pierce's have had such a long gap here. I mean, Montpellier have played two games since Pierce's have won their, their Roscommon final. Um, there was COVID in both camps, Montpellier and Pierce's. So it's which team has recovered sufficiently. But it's the makings of a really, really good game. Uh, there's six or seven guys from Abellu with county experience. The same in Pierce's. The dailies are synonymous with Roscommon football, and they will do everything they can to get over the line. They have a really good manager in Pat Flanagan. Montbellu have a really good manager in Val Daly. So it makes for an interesting game, and a lot of these club games have gone to extra time over the last few weeks, and it wouldn't surprise me if this one did too. Um, and you know, whoever wins the Connacht can they beat the Leinster champions? They can because Leinster is wide open. I do like the look of Port Arlington as well. I've been following them for the last few months and talking to a couple of Leash guys who are in the know. They, they would have said that they were this is their year to win the Leinster title, never mind the Leash title. And this is three months ago, so. They're going as underdogs against Crokes. Crokes are not going that well. Um, the talk locally in Dublin would be Crokes players know Crow Park very well and they have great experience. Your Paul Mangans, your Rory, your Carrens, Yeah, the fact that the two Kitty. semi-finals, the two Leinster semi-finals between Port Harrington and Crokes on the one hand and then Shilmaliers against Nace on the other. They're both in Croke Park, that's, which is a novel thing. It's brilliant. It, it, it's fantastic um, for four four teams four sets of supporters um and and the talk around is you know that croaks's experience of uh, senior players in croaks experience of playing in crow park will help them but i mean there's seven or eight poor tarlington lads that have played in crow park with leash you know colin murphy uh, robbie piggott patrick o'sullivan there's osborne there's adam ryan a lot of them have played in leash minor uh, under 20 tight or under 20 competitions so I don't think Port Arlington will be overawed. I think there was COVID down there as well, um, Oshin, and that's why maybe they, they got sluggish after the 20, 25 minutes and, and they obviously regained their composure and, and saw the game out. Um, and the other side then is Nace, who have come from nowhere really, I suppose, um, haven't won, uh, haven't you know won a title since 1990, I think, have a chance to get into their first ever Leinster f f club final against Shell Milliers. Uh, again, no Wexford team, I think, has ever made the Leinster club final. So there's so much going on in this year's club championship, which is fantastic for everyone. It, like, it, it is really hard to call a winner for the outset. And um, I know Wattie Glenn are, are really setting the light on fire, but Kilku will be very hard to beat. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Kilku actually overturned them. It would definitely shock me. Um, but the one thing, uh, John, you're saying about Port Arlington, uh, they actually lost their keeper um, about five minutes into the second half the last year. 
and uh, they were very reluctant to change their keeper. Very reluctant. He was he couldn't kick the ball out with his right foot um, from about the 15th minute of the game, maybe the 20th minute of the game. And they persevered with him and persevered with him until his last kick out was a toe poke with his left foot. And I think that was enough for everybody. Uh, and it, it looked the lad that come on looked very, very young. Um, he actually did okay, I thought, when he came on. But I, I, the other keeper was looked very, very assured and, and very good, even with his kickouts and his restarts. And I think once he, when he went off the boil a little bit, um, and as I say, they were very reluctant to replace him. So I think that might be the one issue that they aren't able to rectify ahead of uh, playing Kilmacud, which is obviously a big task. Tell me, Oshin, is it just is it just a simultaneous group have come together with Watty Graham's? Because funny enough, I remember uh, it's gas like that. You know, we we should be talking about them. I was involved with Douglas uh, when Fela was in Cork under fourteen. So I'm kind of guessing uh, it's probably about nine or ten years ago. They, those lads be about twenty three or four now. And I remember it was down in St Michael's, down in Matten. And we actually played uh, Watty Graham's, and there was a small, woolly-headed full forward, who unfortunately, I'd be great if I could remember his name now, like, but he was class. Watty Graham, I remember thinking to myself, I'd never heard of Watty Graham's up to that weekend, and I always remember it kind of stuck in my head afterwards, and it's only lately that I've been kind of monitoring them again. So is it just the fact that you've got an exceptional group has come through? Yeah, I think that all that, all that group that won... Uh, under 16 minor, uh, under 20 um, county and Ulster titles. I think they have they have more or less stuck together. And then you bring Glass back into the to the mix, mm. and that brings that unit back together. I think the guy you were talking about could be Danny Tallon. I think he might have had a, a head on him like that when he was a bit younger. Mm. Um, not like you three. Um, <laughs> he had, he had plenty of hair, but um. The thing, I suppose the thing about, about Waddy Graham's is that uh, it's amazing to, to actually keep the nucleus of that together. So eight, maybe even nine players, to keep all those guys together. And as I say, probably the missing piece is, is Glass. He definitely has obviously made a, a huge impact since he's come back. He just seems to have seamlessly gone back into it. And, and, uh, and, and he's got a real drive. Like if you hear him speaking, uh, the first thing he'll speak about is not Derry. The first thing he'll speak about is his club and how he wanted to be successful with his club. Uh, and I think, as I say, there's just that feeling about them. Do you know what and I mean? Do they, have, do they have, like, and I have a reason for asking this question, do they have that kind of strut about them? In other words, if they were to come out of Ulster, and let's just say Stacks were to come out of Munster, would they be, would they be overawed in any way by playing Austin Stacks? Well, I'll give you an example just. I'll, I'll go to Glass again. And Glass won a Hogan Cup when he was 14. Wow. Play, playing with Mahara. So that, these boys won't do overall. I mean, they're used to success. Success is what they're all about. Um, even to having not won a county title in 60 years, whatever it was, and to get their heads down straight away and come through that's in Union's game, which, to be honest, was, was the big game for them, I thought. Uh, to come through that game, sticky conditions, uh, and they just about were lucky enough. I mean, St. Newton's missed a penalty in that, in that game as well and, cu and could have tucked them out. But 
uh, they look like a completely different animal at the weekend and having managed been ma uh, managing in, in Monon for a couple of years I know what Scottstown possessed and how good they were and they just they nullified all of the big threats and they have a serious ability to do that <clears throat> and obviously they're well coached and well managed yeah. if, well, well let's do this straight away so the the Munster final the Ulster final Connor, all the provincial finals are on after Christmas which is um, which which creates another issue within all of this, but it means that the All Ireland final isn't until the start of of February. But let's call this now. Who's going to win the Munster Championship? Oshin. Stacks. Tony. Um, honestly, it actually depends on how much Kieran Donahue is able to give because do you see he has the basketball. It's not a sentence, Tony. It's an answer. Tony, yeah, don't think Tony. I, I, don't think Tony I, got the memo. Yeah, I think uh, stacks barely, barely. I I go for the underdog, the Cork boys. Go for Finn Barris. I'm not I'm not quite sure that a Cork person has ever seen themselves as an underdog, but we'll move on. The Ulster <laughs> the Ulster Club, the Ulster Club Championship, John. Um, I'll stick my neck out with Kilku. Tony. Well, the way O'Sheen is after talking up these boys from Derry, we daren't. I'd actually just keep talking them up, given who they're playing in the semi-final. O'Sheen, you're going for Glenn anyway. I go for Glenn, Paul. Yeah, Connacht, John. You may as well start with Connacht again. Give us a steer. I go for Porrick Pierce's. Tony, I thought I. I must admit, I. I I thought you'd say not more there, John. Um, you worried me, no. I, I, I still probably, I know what you're saying about Pierce, there's a lot, a lot of good players, uh, but I probably, I'd edge towards not more. I'd give not more a rattle. And Tony, you may as well start with Leinster. Port Arlington, um, Croke, Shelmaliers or Nace? Yeah. I'd go kill McCud. John? I'll go with Nace. Oshin. You didn't give me a chance in the Connacht one either, but anyway. Uh... You don't know anything about Connacht football. <laughs> you're, not the, <laughs> you're not the first person to say that to me. Uh, you were the two of them together, so I apologise, Oshin. No uh, I, <laughs> I'll go with Pierce's and I'll go with Kilmacud. Okay, and in, in one word, All-Ireland champions, Oshin. Glenn. Tony. Yeah, Glenn. John. You can't say it, Glenn, John, because you went for Kaku, remember? Yeah, I remember, Oshin. <laughs> so I'll go with the underdogs again. Cork. The Finbars. Go Bars. I'll throw it okay. Um. So before we move on, the split season comes in next year. And <coughs> the next time any of these clubs or any club team in Ireland plays... In the 2022 championship will not take place in any county almost certainly until august and in quite a number of counties i suspect it will be september before they play we play club championship what would you do for a club in that time Oshin? i think uh, there's an opportunity there for for club players to take some time out and come back uh reinvigorated rejuvenated um i think a lot of 
uh, county leagues will start probably in April without county players. I know the system that they run in Mullen is that without county players, it uh, it's uh, two point it's two points for the winners, and with county players, it's five points. Um, so I think I'll oh, the other way around. Sorry, um, no. So you get yeah, more points. Two, get... two points without county players and five. Yeah, two with... points, yeah. five points with county players. So you get more um, points. So you get more points with your with your county yeah, players. Yeah, that should be the other way around. Surely, shouldn't no, it? No, no. So it's it's to make sure the teams aren't penalised if they're county when they they field without their county players. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry about that. Um, so I think if if that starts in April, there's an opportunity now for players to get a proper uh, break. Um and probably come back February time and start training towards uh towards August then with uh with the with the hope with hopefully you know a proper league um in between I think I'll, I've heard some Mormons in my own county that they're gonna run some sort of winter league which is just gonna annoy people as much as it's gonna uh, offer people football because it's meaningless really. And I think if you properly structure it that you start in April, uh, I think most uh, club players would be happy enough with that, to be honest. What about you, John? What do you think? What what, what, would ha- what do you think should happen in Galway for clubs? I think more or less what Oshin has said w- will happen throughout the country in that from maybe Paddy's Day onwards, you will start to see some cup competitions springing up and then you'll get into club club leagues around May, June, July and getting ready for championships in August and September. I do think a lot of guys will uh, go travelling. Um, club players, they'll now have the opportunity to go travelling in June and July and still come back for club championships, which um, gives the plus for both player and club that guys can go away and they can still come back for the meaningful competitions. Um, and I just think it's it's great that this has finally happened. I know there'll be tweaks and there'll be a few little issues here and there, but you know, finally the, the club player has a defined season. Um, will will counties uh, get it right? No, they won't, and um, they won't probably take advice from Connor Councils or Crow Park on it. They'll they'll do their own thing. But they'll figure it out as they go along. And I think players are now starting to have a voice in clubs and, and they will tell their clubs, we want January and February off or you know, we will do weights or whatever we need to do. You know, Give us a break here and we'll come back and we'll give the club championship a real go when it really matters. <clears throat> um, but you know, that's, that, that'd be my thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same as that. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm a complete and utter... Uh, fan of split season um i think it compartmentalizes things it gives certainty i mean we're all involved with clubs and you know i could very easily now set out a season i know that down this part of the world uh whether it's the keller shield in cork or the county leagues in kerry they'll start in march they'll play away the club championship will be in in this in the late spring in kerry everything will be parked for the inter-county and then they'll ramp it up for the county championships in the autumn Everybody and every player, whether that be a coach, whether it be a manager, whether it can be a player, can actually periodise their season now. There's a degree of certainty. They know that their club football, the ordinary club football, is going to have action from March through to June, July, maybe even if they're playing without county players. 
and then there's going to be the huge block of inter-county where everything grinds to a halt and then it's full system go then come September for the county championship. Is it the ideal, perfect scenario? I don't know, but it works for me, that's for sure. I think a big, a bigger problem uh, for me, Paul, is January now because, like, with the with taking back in preseason competitions for inter-county, uh, Sigerson Cup and college fixtures, uh, the latter end of the club championship, just seems very, very packed and stacked again. And like, obviously, if the weather conditions don't play a ball, I mean, how much of a a setback or a mess is that going to be, you know? But uh, I just think for January, seems like a lot of stuff going on. And for the very talented uh, 19, 20 year old, uh, it's it's very unforgiving at a time of year when you should be getting yourself ready and prepared for a, for a long season ahead. So I know you guys maybe in UCD don't have the same issues that the rest of the colleges have because you have a lot more pulling power. Um, but uh, I do think that it is, as I say, a little bit of thankless task. I lost you there, Roisin, a few minutes ago. Yeah, there was a bit of a break on the line there, Roisin. I don't really know what happened. Uh, um, Someone playing a poor mode. But can, can, can we talk for a second, actually, in, in terms of structures for the inter-county season? We're not going to this. This podcast is kind of set to explode if the words if the word structures is used ordinarily. But I think it does matter that preseason competitions have been brought back in and that they start again on the fifth of January. And it, it, this week on the Wednesday, the eighth of December, intercounty teams are allowed back into the field for training sessions. Now you want to be spectacularly naive to imagine that there hasn't been de facto training underway in counties in various parts of Ireland, albeit might be nicely disguised. Awfully. <laughs> Awfully have not been training, I can confirm. Um, it it makes absolute sense that counties are now back training for 2021 when you consider that the O'Byrne Cup, the McGrath Cup, the McGinnon Cup and the FBD League start on the 5th of January. The National League begins on the 29th of January the provincial championships on Easter weekend, the 16th and 17th of April, and the All-Ireland football final is fixed for Sunday the 24th of July. All matches, providing Congress agree in February, all matches will finish on the day, with the exception of the All-Ireland final, meaning extra time and then and then penalties. But this, this idea of bringing back the pre-season competitions and basically playing them off in a week, with uh, the, the group stages of them, three matches in eight days, more or less, it's... It really does put a press on 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 a fast start, John. It does, um, but again, I think you will see various counties putting their under twenty squads out. Um, you'll see some counties using it as trial games, and they'll still have other challenge games lined up along the side uh, in order to get ready for the league at the end of uh, at the end of January. So they will be used as trial games, friendly games, call it what you want. Um, but if teams win their first two or three group games, then they'll put a strong team out in the semi-final and try and win a final because it'll give good momentum going into the national leagues. Um, that'll be my personal opinion on it. And, um, uh, you, you, you know, speaking about the structures, like the under 20 is also starting earlier this year. I think it's starting in March. So that's going to put... Uh, again, you know, organisational logistics issues for them guys that are caught between um, 
Sigerson under 20 and really good guys on inter-county squads. But it's just how you use these competitions. Um, Paul, it, it, it's that would be my view on it. I just think teams will have the National League only in mind here and they will use these pre-season competitions like glorified challenge games. Seven, seven league games in nine weeks, Oshin. How would you set about preparing for that? How would you... How how do you train for that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of there's a big bank of training already already been done uh, as far as you know uh, S and C. Uh, I think that's all. Have I got much done? No, nothing. Um, but I think when whenever you, <laughs> I think I think whenever you're going into a to a, a block of games like that, I think the work has to be done. I think you have to manage players from one game to the next. But I think the the time where, you know, we we patched up a player and got him through to the next game, I think those days, especially from a league point of view, I think those those games are, are sort of done and uh, those days are sort of done and dusted. I think, you know, you have to have a fully fit squad. If you haven't, you have to have uh, a big enough squad to have a player that comes in and, and okay, in some cases there's no replacing certain individuals, but I think you need to you know to manage those players as best you can. As I say, I already said it's pretty unforgiving uh, those seven games in uh, in nine weeks, but there's nothing you can do about it. Players want to play games. I mean, the training will probably be late in between, so uh, you know anybody who who, who uh, has a good bit of work and unless you know to get some. Uh, injury, which is not like a muscle or something like that. There, the, the amount of muscle tears that that intercounty players, well developed intercounty players, get nowadays are, are few and far between. But even if you look at the Premier League in the last couple of weeks, in particular at the weekend, I mean they had to go deep into their squads. They're professionals, so it's it is it is a big ask. And I suppose John's on about you know those preseason competitions that you know. Uh, I'd say that most management teams will, will probably pick one game and go go hard at it and, and have that as their as a preparation for the league. But to think that they will go hard at it for three games is just it's nigh on impossible when you consider uh, what's ahead of them then over the over the next three months. Do you do you think intercounty managers put much do, do they put much store on the Sigerson Cup on watching Sigerson Cup matches, Oshin, in terms of in terms of how they organise panels and letting players go, or do they want control? Do they want control of their players? If the Sigerson Cup was to be uh, put to one side in the morning, I think every I, I can't think of any inter-county manager who, who wouldn't be happy enough with that. I mean, I've heard inter-county managers saying that Sigerson is a competition now that should be played without uh, players on inter-county panels. So imagine what... Uh, squad sort of squads you would have then. So I think for uh, for most intercounty managers, it's a nightmare. If if we look at the first round of national league fixtures in Division One, Armagh mm. against Dublin. It looks like the, the calendar is to be properly released next week, but it looks like it's Armagh, Dublin, Toronto, Kildare, Donegal, Kerry, Mayo, Monaghan. You start that league with a loss, and it's already you're under pressure here. And if you're in Division Two, and you start that league with a loss in your first game in Division Two, not alone are you under pressure to not get promoted, but you're under pressure fearing relegation and then ending up in the Talchin Cup, which makes its unveiling 
this year, this first round, Tony, how, how do you how do you get yourself right for this first round? You see, it depends, Paul. It depends who the manager is, and it depends who the county is. And it you know, if it's a manager who's been at the helm for a considerable period of time, and this goes back to your previous point about the preseason competitions then they can actually be a godsend because you're only tweaking. You know, you're, you're putting out, as the lad said, maybe a, a second team or an under-20 team, and you're only looking for one or two, three small gains out of those. So, like, you know, like, look at Jack O'Connor, for instance. He's coming back. I saw him, now. he was sitting down in front of me at the county final last Sunday. He's in the market for a goalkeeper. He's in the market for a fullback. You know, he might have actually had both on the Stacks team, actually, last weekend as it transpired. Shane Murphy, I'm led to believe, from Crokes has been drafted back into the squad. So those he's already, irrespective of what Kerry, for instance, do in the McGrath Cup, he's already looking at that trip to Donegal right now. He's knowing to a large degree, and obviously I'm allowing for injuries and things like the Sigerson Cup intervening in the meantime, because there's a heap of the Kerry lads will be playing Sigerson Cup this year because of the age, the general age profile. But in terms of that first weekend of the league, it's not like that suddenly he's going to wake up 10 days beforehand and he's going to be saying, OK, what have I got? What have I, you know, about this, about that, of the other? I think realistically, the prep, as you rightly said, is Wednesday the 8th of December. I didn't know it was actually as soon as that actually starts for inter-county prep. If you're, an, if you're a new manager coming in, this is the time. It's from December the 8th until January the 10th and irrespective those bringing those first, um, those pre-season competitions into play. That's where the bulk of your work is going to be done. By the time you get to the first round of the county league, you should be pretty much set fair. I don't think Armavi Dublin, I don't think Kerry above and Donegal will go into that game and start blaming the fact that we haven't had sufficient preparation. What's the view in Kerry? Uh, what's the view in Kerry uh, in the talk around the club championship about Jack O'Connor's appointment? Uh, you mean in terms of what, good or bad? Yeah, what's the feeling? What's well, the there's an feeling actually, there's an interesting uh, sequel to it last night um, in that um, the outgoing vice chairman of the county board, who would a man called Eamon Whelan, um, who would have been a former selector with Jack back in the day at under-20 level and would have been part of the committee that appointed Jack, um, he was defeated uh, in the vote for the county chairmanship by Patrick O'Sullivan, who had been there previous to the, the 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 outgoing chairman so he's coming back in as chairman now you can look at that two ways um pat the bag as he's known is a very charismatic individual and um, would have a lot of support around the county would be well known um and would be well got in fairness uh is it a vote to that people said yeah we loved him as chairman or is it a vote that says Eamon Whelan is very much tied whether he likes to admit it or not to jack o'connor and we're not 100 percent happy that jack o'connor was the choice and was this a vote you know was this almost a referendum on jack o'connor's you know carry managership i i mean I, I was talking to a few people i was down in tralee before the county final and there was even then there was some people saying oh, i'd love to have seen the new crew given it all you know stephen stack's team that involved donny buckley and and all these lads given a go. I, I, I genuinely think that the jury, the jury in Kerry, Paul, as you probably know, is probably the most fickle jury in the land. And if Kerry are winning the All-Ireland next July, bringing Jack O'Connor back was a masterstroke. And sure, wasn't it the obvious thing to do anyway? Sure, he's a proven winner. But if Kerry don't win the All-Ireland, it's going to be seen as 
what do we go back to Jack O'Connor for a third time for? Sure, there was a brilliant part, you know. So it's very easy, I'm afraid, to say, you know, what's the view on Jack O'Connor? I genuinely come back to me in July and I'll actually tell you the view on Jack O'Connor. This this pressure on inter-county managers, though, it comes right from the beginning. And Jack O'Connor goes up there, he plays his league games, and I think it would be really, really harsh on him if there were to be a vote on another man to be appointed chairman, and that's a referendum on Jack O'Connor's yeah. appointment. And I suppose the real the real point about Jack O'Connor's position would be revealed in the series of results that come down. But ultimately, it's very hard to see Kerry not being Munster champions. And then and then it starts. It's then it starts for it then it starts for Kerry and then Jack O'Connor will largely be measured by what happens in from the end of June and through through July. I was surprised, I have to admit, I was absolutely surprised by Kerry's stance on the change in football proposals. I thought absolutely that they would go for plan B. Um, you know, they, I mean they're talking now what we really wanted was plan B plus, but they had a scenario where they'd seven league games, which is exactly what Kerry needs. And for me, it represented a fear and an anxiety of, oh, Jesus, hold on, what happens if we're not in the top four? Which surprised me, I have to say. I'd say that in the first instance. But you've got to appreciate, lads. It for, is plan always- B, for plan B not to get through was an absolute failure of GEA politics. It's an okay. absolute failure of leadership at the top of the GEA to deliver a majority for a workable proposal for a refined championship. Couldn't, it, couldn't they have, they have a couple of months to sort it out. Yeah. And by the way, in fairness, honourable exclusion to Kevin O'Donovan in that respect. He was the guy who was actually driving it. And if some of the people above him maybe had been as good. Anyway, we said this is a structure-free zone. Going back to what you were saying, like, Jack, it, it doesn't matter whether it's Jack or Santa Claus. You know, in a scenario, every defeat in Kerry is a crisis. Whether it's a league. I know what you're saying about the likelihood of them winning a monster championship and that they will again be in at the business end of the championship. But it's seven years now since Kerry won in All-Ireland. And you got to remember, they hadn't won before that since 2009. So do your sums on that. And you're talking about a dozen years. Now, when Kerry went from 96 uh, to, to, sorry, from, what was it, from 86 to 97, that's 11 years. That's been described as the greatest famine in Kerry football history. So irrespective like, of, you know, whether Kerry are playing Donegal, Armagh, Dublin, whatever, there's massive scrutiny, lads. There's massive scrutiny on Jack O'Connor. And it isn't because it's Jack O'Connor, although the fact that he's been there twice obviously ramps it up a small, you know, a small level or two. I would say, John, where I where I would probably depart from Tony a little bit is the and the notion of Kerry exceptionalism, because I think that there is unbelievable pressure all over the country in various counties, and I think Galway is one of those places where the, there is a public interest in the senior football county team who are expected to perennially challenge for inter-county honours, first of all, for Connick Championship and ultimately for the All-Ireland, no matter how realistic or unrealistic that is. Do you do you see that pressure? And do you experience it? Well, it's expectation, but I mean, we as Galway players and former players and supporters, and now I'm part of Parik's backroom team, I mean, we want to be successful. That's why we go out and train, you know, two or three times a week to, to achieve this. Um, is it unrealistic expectations on ourselves? No. I mean, 
you know, that's what we want. We want to be up there with the, you know, we want to be consistent like Mayo. Mayo have been consistent the last number of years. And, and there's a reason for that. Um, we haven't got that level of consistency yet. And it's our job to get the players, I suppose, to train accordingly um, and, and perform accordingly. Um, so there's pressure, Paul, but that's, there's pressure in every well, Why will next year be different for Galway? Why will Galway be different next year? Or what will happen that will make Galway more competitive next year? Or into an All-Ireland quarter-final, semi-final, and so on? I suppose we're... Hopefully, we'll have an uninterrupted run with this. That COVID, while it's still here, will allow us to train properly as a group every week and maybe make these connections that we've lost out, certainly, in, in our squad. So I just think that if we get a run at this again, we have enough talented and committed players to challenge for a Division Two uh, title and promotion, which is it's all about promotion. And then it's Mayo in the first round of the Connacht Championship. And that's what every Galway player uh, dreams of, is playing Mayo in the Championship. And ultimately, we know if we're right, we can beat Mayo on any given day. We, did, we haven't done it the last two years. But we've been in a position to do it, but we haven't executed it. So that's that's a problem that we need to overcome this year. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't sorry, Paul. I wouldn't put John on the spot by asking him. So, Oshin, what do you think of Keen O'Neill going to Galway and being involved with the Galway setup next year? Do you think it's a bonus? Do you think it will enhance them? Um, I think he, he obviously has garnered a lot of experience and I think that experience, whether it be good or bad through the Cork setup, will definitely uh, help. I think he may find um, going into the Galway setup, I think he, he will find a serious ramp up from what he's been used to. Um, structures seem uh, decent in Galway, I just think players need to now buy into what's uh, been offered and and like the if you consider the performances before the league was cut short and the and the performances not this year but last year um afterwards i mean they seem so poles apart that's the stuff that i'm sure is driving the uh, the management batty but also uh, driving them on as well because they realize that there's there is something um, of substance there. Anybody who's seen them in the first half of the uh, Connacht final last year, you know, they looked as if uh, they were well-structured. They looked as if, um, they, you know, they were well-fit to handle Mayo um, and then just collapsed in the second half. So I think there's, there's a few problem positions. I think a goalkeeper's still an issue um, for them. Uh, I think um, they probably need a little bit more energy around the middle of the field. But I, I do think that Keen O'Neill going up there will just bring that that extra. Um, and I'll tell you what I like about I, I like about it. Somebody who has looked in from afar does that make sense? That hasn't been part of that setup and is going in with fresh notions. So I'm sure the first thing that that Parik and John the boys will be doing is, you know, what's your perception of what we're doing? What's your perception of us? What's the perception out there of uh, playing against Galway? And I think once he brings that to the table and then, as I say, what he's learned um, along the way, I mean, he's been an inter-county manager before. He's like, he has 
a huge amount of experience, so he'd be bringing all that. But I think I do think that there's there's problem areas for Galway, and I think uh, they're the first things that need to be addressed. But um, but if you look at them, you know, as I say before, the the, the break and and after the break from that from that league, um, not last year, the year before, um, there was a huge difference in the way they played, the way they looked, and um, they've had a few chasing experiences since then. So. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a tricky one, but I think you know Galway are, are moving in the right direction, um, and I think you know first things first is you know they need a very good league behind them. And Paul's already said about all teams hitting the ground running. I think Galway's one of them teams, but that's particularly pertinent to. Oshin, can I ask you? You've you've managed club teams successfully. You've managed um, third level team less successfully. Would you, would you like to be an inter-county manager? Um, <clears throat> I don't really know, uh, Paul, at this stage, to be honest. Uh, I think it depends what way the new structure works. I think the one thing that, that was holding me back um, from taking a job was, uh, was just the, the sheer velocity of, of work. And the fact that you know there was no, there didn't seem to be any downtime, didn't seem to be any off season. Uh, and I'll just be interested and see how the split season works, and then uh, look at it from that point of view. But certainly the way Inter County has been over the last ten years, uh, my life, work, family, it wouldn't be conducive to me being a, an Inter County manager and giving it absolutely everything. So um, if there's a bit more structure about it, then definitely yes. If you were a manager and if you were to take it, who would you bring with you? Who would you want to coach with you? Who's who is is there an outstanding coach out there that you've looked at over the last number of years and thought, oh, I'd like to have that person coach my team? I don't know if you're angling for a job, but uh, <laughs> you're at about. I was saying, if I was making up a list, girls under sixteen team definitely the non here. I don't think. Um, there's a couple of guys who I've been very impressed with. Uh, Kevin Madden is one who sort of goes under the radar, and, and uh, I know he's Mickey Hart had him in his last year. He's one, he's one of the guys. But to be honest, there's a few guys who have worked with at club level who will be who will be right up there. But he's the one that sort of springs to mind as far as uh, modern day coaches concerned. Okay, if if we look then at one other aspect that's new in the coming years, the Talchin Cup, and John, I want to just put you into a scenario here, which I know you don't want, you won't want to go there, but I want you to consider it. Galway have a difficult league, and end up not making the Connacht final and getting relegated from Division Two into Division Three. You're trying to prepare a team for the Talchin Cup, which is where you would go if you lost a championship match. You would um, play against the other teams for Division 3 and 4 who are knocked out of the Championship, as well as New York, who would uh, qualify or come in at the quarterfinal stage. How, how would you go about motivating a team for that competition? Would you have any interest in it, is my question, I suppose, really? Well, any interest in playing in the Talchin Cup? Yeah. Well, if you found yourself there, you have to play. I mean, if you, if, if you sign up to play football with your county um, or you're involved in a county 
if you find yourself relegated into another competition, you have to honor that competition and you have to respect all the other teams in that competition. So, yes, you'd have to prepare for it. It might be what you'd, it's not, it's not what you set out for, but I mean, it's like going into a club relegation battle. You're, you're senior and you're in a relegation. If you lose, you go into intermediate and so on and so on. So you just prepare. I mean, you just have to dig in, Paul, and, and that's where the character of the team obviously will ultimately come out. Um, you may look at you may look at it as, okay, there's a reason why we're in this competition. Is it that our players aren't good enough? Do we need to start bringing in younger and younger players to blood them to get back up to the top table again? So it, I suppose it just depends on you'd have to review why you got there in the first place and then look at it as an opportunity or a springboard to get back up fighting with the top teams again. That's the way I'd look at it if I was with Galway. If I was with another team that was in a division or three or four uh, situation, again, you look at the players you have at your disposal, you look at their ambition, um, You are they good enough to play in the Sam Maguire Cup? And if they are, then you, you, you start the building process to get them up uh, by winning a Talchon and playing in a Division Two league and so on and so on, um, which is that's the only way you can look at it. You know, you can't look at it any other way. I think it'd be very disrespectful, and I would hope that if it did happen to Galway or whoever it does happen to, that uh, you would honour the competition and have the respect um, that the other fifteen or sixteen teams are in the competition. Oshin, how would you embrace that competition? Be very, I think it'd be very, very difficult. I think uh, it just depends on where you're, where you're coming from. I think you know, realistically, those teams in Division Four, any manager you talk to, you know, they're all talking about the league and how important the league is because they want to claim the league because uh, you know that's the basis of the quality of football they're going to play in the following year. Um, so that's the start of it. But I think if you're one of those, if you see yourself, even though you mightn't have won in All Ireland in twenty years. Like let's say the likes of Armagh, Armagh still see themselves as a, as one of the big teams. Uh, you know the likes of Derry and and Galway and and uh, Kildare and teams like that. They all see themselves as big teams. They don't want to be you know playing in the Talchon Cup. So I think it's very very difficult sell if the, if you end up there from Division Two. I think even whatever team ends, whatever two teams end up getting relegated this year, it's a difficult sell. But I do think um, for the other teams that it's a, it should be seen as an opportunity. And I think, to be honest, most of them are because, as I say, once the league was over in previous years, it was like, you know, that's our season over. And I remember talking to a, a lot of the managers through COVID, did different things w with them at different stages as far as interviewing them and stuff. And they all sort of had the one message was that, like, you know, it was a reduced league, you know, they had four games. And they were the most important four games of their season. Realistically, were they going to advance in a in a knockout competition, you know, provincial level or all Ireland level? No. So they see that they see the league as uh, as a stepping stone. And I think the Talchon Cup is um, realistically an opportunity for them to garner some silverware and, and uh, improve confidence, get a bit of buzz going about the county again. So I think it can be used in that way. But I think for a team, you know, like some of the teams that I mentioned there. Whew, it's a very, very difficult thing to go into a change room and sell it. Very, very difficult. What about you, Tony? Have you heard soundings on it? 
I, I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm picking up O'Sheen's point there. I think really it would be player driven. The attitude would, you know, as you said, you can sell, you can sell something like that to a group of players if you're from a Galway or a Kildare or one of those teams that we say are just bubbling under the big four or five. Um, and at that stage, then I think that's that's a player group thing, Paul. I think that's a player group who decide at that point, okay. Let's actually get the most out of this. You know, you can't be relegated from the Tarleton Cup. So, you know, we can do what we want with it. Obviously, it's going to be an opportunity for experimentation. But it's realistically something, as Oshin said there, you're looking for momentum. If you're in the Tarleton Cup at the end of 2022, you're really looking to see how you can actually use it as springboard for 2023. That's what I would think at that stage. There's no point in trying to sell it as something that it isn't. Um I would still, again, not going back, Paul, to the politics of the situation, but I would still love to see a scenario down the track where it is properly marketed and that somebody actually gets a, gets a hold of it and does it as some kind of like, I always look back at the All-Star weekend in the NBA in America, like, and how that's just such a weekend of everybody there. And if you can actually roll a Talton Cup into an All-Ireland final weekend, and actually bring the razzmatazz to it. And that's something that's going to be done, hopefully, or it's certainly going to be attempted. And you can obviously add sweeteners onto it. Then you are obviously providing a little more luster to the event down the track. But certainly in the short term, I mean, I looked at John Divoli's face when you actually asked him that question. And I think if there was a bubble coming out of the top of his head, it was kind of, are you taking the piss ball? John knows me too well to know that I would, there would never be an opportunity of that happening. <laughs> For those of you who are listening to this in podcast, John has just put on a Galway hat. Um, so um, we'll, 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 we'll think about it that way. In terms of the marketing, actually, what is what is interesting is that the semi-finals of the Talchin Cup are on a stand. They have a standalone weekend at the end of June, and the final is being played as the curtain raiser to the first All Ireland Senior Football uh, final on Saturday. July the 9th. Now that is all semi ahead of us. July the 9th, yeah, beside the before the, the as a curtain raiser to that semi final. Okay. Uh, the semi-final. So this is our last um examiner football show of 2021. I'd like to say thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast during the year, to Jack Neville, to Raf Rocca, to Tony Lean, to everybody at Examiner Sport for making it happen. A huge thanks. Uh, to Oshin and especially today to John and to Tony uh, for joining us. Happy Christmas to everybody and we'll be back soon. A grain of rice, a grain of rice is going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, Victorian, and now they're really roaring. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 